Open your Bibles up to Daniel chapter 3. Hold it there, and we'll begin. I'm very excited about this word and hope it sure came out of the first service. Hope it comes out the second service. So it's really good. My privilege to share with you. So. Father, thank you for the word that changes our lives. It is alive, and you are. Thank you for giving it to us. And as we peek into it today, God, we pray that every part, every fiber of our being respond to, responds to it. God, our souls, our mind, will, and emotions, our hearts, our hopes, our desires, and it affects every part of our life from the practical, where we're living in circumstances, to where we live in our heads, in our hearts, to where we really live in reality, your kingdom. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, can you say amen like you mean it? Well, preparing, I have this, this is an old story that you know, but give me a moment and let me unpack this just a little bit, but... You know, as I approach this, it's been in my heart for, you know, a few, several weeks, a couple of months, actually, and my chance to share it with you. As a precursor, just noting our society is in a very intense time. I know that's kind of like an understatement. The, the uh, information age has settled into us now. It's not only just coming at us, but it's coming at us with an intention, or with agendas from all different backgrounds. Um, I'm not talking politics. I'm just talking the truth. It comes from all different backgrounds from that which we think is good to that which we think is bad, and everybody decides that individually. You know, uh, I was reading a, a, some t- statistics out of the Scientific American Journal that one out of six Americans are on, are on a psychiatric drug. Can you believe that? One out of six. Now, I'm not fussing on drugs, psychiatric drugs. I think you need help, get it, absolutely. Get help, get healed, get whatever. We're gonna have any, we have no judgments on things like that. So tease Charles Ann, and that's so, okay to say this again, Ann, or... You tell me. So when they came here from California, they said, isn't everybody on Prozac? <laughs> they were just so fun. They gave them such a refreshing view of like, gosh, just get healed. So um, they're, of course, they're not on that. But, but and that's not to say. I'm just saying that it's so intense. And the chaos, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe she's handing out the first row. <laughs> you know, uh, Mark Twain said, said this, I have suffered a great many catastrophes in my life. Most of them have never happened. <laughs> so what goes on up here and in here is really important, isn't it? And we're in a season where there is some reality and pressures from all sides, but also what comes, what comes out here is really need, we need to attend to. And my heart goes out to that in this season. And so what I'm going to share with you today is a situation that's very similar and it's very real and it's not a fairy tale, it's a reality. That people are in a very similar pressured situation but chose wisely. And that example lives for us today. It's not in the Bible by accident. And of course, they didn't know they were going to be in the Bible when they did this. <laughs> so it's kind of amazing. So listen, so if you start off, you know the story. It's, uh, it's a story of the golden image, uh, the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I could precurse this kind of setup, because I'm big on context, how did we get here and how did this golden image get built? Well, Daniel has come to the rescue of King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the head of a very powerful nation, actually many nations, he's kingdom of kingdoms that he's here, and he is full of, full of faith about himself. And, this, and if he's told him, interpreted a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar that this image that he saw the, of the feet of clay and iron and t- talking to him and speaking to him about the kingdoms that would come, and he speaks to him about a kingdom that will have no end, that will constantly ex- expand and expand. Now, of course, in men's terms, I'm sure King Nebuchadnezzar and even maybe Daniel didn't recognize this as the kingdom of God. I'm sure Daniel, in a sense, did, but applying it as a prophet 
And King Nebuchadnezzar drinks this in, and certainly, he, instead of making an image of clay feet and iron feet, he makes one of, well, let's go bigger, let's go gold, you know, and let's make it nine stories high, you know, let's make it impressive, and, and because this kingdom's gonna last forever and never have an end, so he's misinterpreting and gathering it for himself, but it's off and running, the word's been giving, and the whole nation responds. It seems like the perfect alignment of God's prophet in the kingdom and the king, and here it goes, so... How am I doing? You okay? I hope you had your coffee, because here we go. All right? So, but in this, there's this, of course, gathering of all the people, this great unveiling of this image, and then all the music, and as men can build great things, and they can build great things. They can bring great pressure, great excellence, great power. It's all that do, because they're men of that. We have a certain amount of authority. And so he comes, and so in this situation, all the people are gathering, people who are in agreement with it and with the flow, people that are not quite sure, people that are against it but are terrified, and this great pressure falls on this nation to conform and to bow down. And when you hear the sound, and this sound comes, I, just, I wish I could, like, you know, and not only that, what the sound is, but the pressure of the atmosphere to conform that this, these three men stand totally resolute, like, no. And of course, you know, if, if, if anybody's old enough to remember Keith Green, anybody? Give me a hand there. Thank you very much. All right. His No Compromise album, do you ever remember the No Compromise album? I remember it hit the world in the 70s. It was like, that was amazing. Like, you know, they had, to, for those who are under 55 or something like that, it had this picture of this powerful uh, soldier on a horse. The horse is wielding and the, all the people are bowed down their face to the ground and this one simple guy in robes just standing forward and it's like, how, 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 how dare, dare, dare you, you, you. You know, coming like that. How's that, am I doing? Getting there? Come on, use your imagination. Don't just give it away to TV. Come on, here we go. So you got to think this stuff and you can feel the pressure. It's kind of like like Jerusalem, when Jesus walks in and toward the crucifixion, the, you know, the, the final time, the swirling of the darkness and the light, the dark is so dominating. And people are like, you know, inside, they're afraid to lift a hand or, or raise a head. And here, these three guys just stand. No. Powerfully. And of course, that knows, like, no, 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 no. Like, and it just comes against. And of course, we know the story. This is chapter, verses four and five out of chapter Daniel three. Uh, and then it goes into like, of course, the word goes out and everybody's like, oh, oh, you know. And so they're gonna, the threat is the fiery furnace, you know. Maybe in this whole thing, like, I'm not making light of it, seriously pressurized. Maybe they just forgot the, 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 um, the threat, but everybody's more swept up in what we should do, but the threat still exists. And then, of course, they're called on the carpet. And we see in verse 12, if you go back into here, it says, you know, the guys report to him in verse 14. Is it true? He had an audience with Nebuchadnezzar, who is a king who embodies the, a principality of power. He embodies a certain spirit that's there. And he is just aghast that they've done this. And so is it, here's the audience, is it true? You know, is, is, is true, it, it, it. you know, just shakes their whole body. Everybody, maybe even in the conversation, they're like, people are cowering in the back. Oh, what they really did, you know, that kind of thing. And these just stand just beautifully, simply. Is it true that you do not serve my gods? And then, of course, it gets down to the end of 15. And all Nebuchadnezzar, bud, you just threw down, didn't you? And who is the God who's going to deliver you from my hands? Oh, that was a mistake, Nebuchadnezzar. That's a big mistake. You know what I mean? Some things are just quietly said, and it's like, oh, 
I don't wouldn't have called out God on that one. But anyway, he does. So, of course, Shadmach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, and really the part of this, and actually, I think, Mike, you shared this one more time, that word, O Nebuchadnezzar, O king, is very, very honoring term that we recognize your greatness and, your, and how wonderful you are and what you've built. So it wasn't like a, a wise guy comment, but we have no need to answer you in this matter. Whew. We have no need to even answer you in this matter. It is, if that it is, is the case, our God, verse 17, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning of the fire furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. So they know he's going to deliver them, right? Look, at everybody's looking at the words. <laughs> but, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Wow. And the, when in my imagination, and of course, permit me this, but I don't think these are three wise guys who think they're invincible. And as some of us who are in our 50s and 60s know that there are dangerous people who are successful at 20 and 30. That's a very dangerous person, a very successful 20, 30-year-old, isn't it? So I hope some of you just went right by that. That's all right. But it wasn't shallow answer. It wasn't just, we're tough guys, we're going to stand. They were standing in real authority, real power, real pressure. And they answered very powerfully and very in-depth. A response, I'd love to share it with you. And I worked for this interpretation and found a very old commentary on it. And it says this, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. It really says this, it is not something that we have to think about or give careful consideration to. As the matter has not, is not open to discussion, it is a decision we made a long time ago and the consequences are of no, of no concern. Let me read this again to you, okay? It is not something we have to think about or careful, carefully consider. As the matter is not open to discussion, it is a decision we made a long time ago, and the consequences are of no concern. What a powerful response. What they gave was an in-depth, mature, I wrote some things down, depth of conviction proven and tested in a deep authority answered the authority that Nebuchadnezzar was embodying. Understand this. That just as we have pinpoints where God embodies us with righteousness, there are pinpoints where people receive and embody evil in their lives. How I many that's true? And I'm not saying we're against the person, but there's a pointing, sticking points, because the infinite is attached to some things that are temporal. That is really true. So what is really happening here is they are facing off at a principality and a power that is demanding a conformity. And just to the word to all of us that we live in a broken world and the pressure to conform will never go away. The pressure to conform will never go away. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not just talking politics or who's in charge or that at all. I'm, in fact, I actually am resisting that. I'm talking about the pressure of a worldly system to say you will do it this way. Whether whatever political background it is, you can misuse your opportunity. You can misuse your authority. Do you understand this? So I hate it. If you look through history, this is just again and again and again. You will do it man's way or you'll do it God's way. And so these guys have a great in-depth, and their answer is so simple, it infuriates the king. And so you know it is principalities and two authorities that are facing off each other and want... And, and these young men know where they come from. What's powerful here is they made a very, very quality decision in their life. What's at stake? Well, certainly the idolatry is at stake. 
And idolatry comes in many different forms. This is a very flamboyant idolatry to worship a golden idol. But they made a decision a long time ago who they served and where their source was and who they worshiped. Do you understand that? And so they're facing, they understand that if we bow, that will be a decision to have a spiritual death. So we'd rather choose the physical death. Now, physical death can seem terrifying and can be suffering in lots of different ways, but it also might be full of life when you choose wisely. But a spiritual death is a slow emptiness that is a chasm between you and that which is really life. And that is true suffering. And these young men in their stalwartness, their resoluteness, understand what they're doing. And it's not even a contest. Would that we make such decisions in our lives. I'm going to mess with you seriously here, but the ability in our society to say no is usually about comfort. No, I don't want to go do that. No, I'll text. No, so sorry. It's all about that. But really what the, what's the real important is not the comfort things, but what do we say no to in our personal stewardship of our lives? What do we say no to in an in-depth decision that's quality, that sets the trajectory of our life that sets the values and sets the principles and sets the things that bring us life on a daily basis. The personal handling of your life. Our society is filled with such pressure, not unlike this situation, which is over the top, but these days with the information and the pooling and the polarizing that happens in our lives, it is a dangerous place to be if you haven't made some quality decisions and continue to build on those quality decisions. You will get lost in the mire. You will not be able to navigate. This is important stuff. They knew how to make a decision. They were put to the test in chapter one with Daniel when they were tempted to eat the same food that was being given to all the other brilliant young men and women that were brought through the kingdom, and they said no. So I'll get to that in a minute. But would that we make such a powerful decision in our lives? How many men in this room, and I'm going to touch this, are involved in pornography in some small way or some large way? All because we can't throw a stake in the ground and say, this is a decision, this is wrong. I know it's a cancer, and it's a compromise that always demands an increase. It'll never, ever go away. No. No. I'm not doing it. I'm not compromising my confidence. I'm not compromising my life. I'm not compromising my marriage bed. I'm not compromising my covenants. I know the truth. Or for those who dive into greed, that I'll be successful, I'll be successful. And they sacrifice relationships and friendships that are real to them in order to achieve. Those are just the same things. Greed is just as real. Ambition in the wrong way, unchecked, is just the same. It's a small, slow sellout. It's a small, slow sellout. I know I'm stepping on toes. All of us are in this boat. But if we don't speak about the broken world that constantly demands that a compromise, and an increase. If we don't speak about the pressure to conform, we, we are missing the boat here. We've got to encourage. When we walk in that door this morning, 
you see one another living a life for God, it's an encouragement to you right away that I'm on the same path. I won't give up. He's doing it. She's doing it. I can do it together. If you actually get past just acquaintance into transparent relationships, you'll hear the stories of everybody being stronger, getting stronger. And then if you actually become vulnerable to some, a handful of people, you let them in and let them speak to you. You let them, you speak back to them. That vulnerability encourages your strength. These are, just, these are relationships of decision and choice and priority that we as the body of Christ must be able to make and must walk out. At cost, at learning how to love one another, forgive one another, accept one another. Come on. And what's it? It's not like, oh, I have to. It's like, no, I get to. No, I get to be with each other. We get to walk this out together. How many no's have you said well? In a good way. Like, no. I know what I'm saying. No, I'm not compromising. I don't care where you are this morning, in conflict, in strength, in weakness, the beginning is say, God, I recognize that voice of yours. It's the deal. It's right. I recognize you tag it on my heart, and I feel that heart to repent. That is a gift to you. I want to know that. I want you to know that this morning. When you feel something like that, that's a gift from heaven to make a decision. It's a gift from heaven to, to, to lean into God and say, God, no more. What's at stake to be a cookie-cutter Christian? Are you kidding me? That's not it at all. It's, it's, what's at stake is idolatry, life. That what brings and gives me life forever. Makes me more my true self. Makes me act like I know I am, who I am. It just is amazing. And it's, it's like a germ, a wonderful germ that grows in your life. But so is the other side of when you lean in and give. And give over to that side and compromise. Man, we don't know what... These three guys are only mentioned in two chapters in the Bible. Their footprint is small. And we never know whatever happens to them. We don't know if they were being thrown in the fire furnace screaming or like, here, here we go, Meshach, I don't know. You know, I don't know what happened in them. It really wasn't important because they didn't put it in, did they? But they did go through it. That was important. So my imagination is all on the good stuff. They just went and said, okay. Hey, big guy, you're throwing me in. Oh, oh man, he died. You know what I mean? So... The guy who threw him in. Isn't that the story, right? I have no idea. I can't, this is so fantastical. I can't even remember, get, that's a word for me. Fantastical. I can't figure out like, I can't even imagine all of it. But I can't imagine the response. I can't imagine, I can imagine a depth of decision that brings them to life, that protects their lives like a guardrail. God, this is right. This is crazy, but we're not changing. This was a faith-filled response. It was a Romans 8:28 moment. Let me just share that with you and bring you into a different level. It says, how many know this? We know this, this scripture. For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Here's the other thing when they made this decision. They believed God was in their circumstances. They believed God had called them to this place in this time with the people around them. They had faith for this. They didn't whine. They didn't cower back. They didn't fear. They were, they were sure God's placed them here. Not only did they make a, a quality decision about what not to get involved in, which was really revealing of what they were involved in, is a worship of God that was deep inside their hearts. A study of the scriptures that says, no, you don't do this, you don't do that, but you do this. And so all that came to forefront and 
gave them an 828 moment, not a fairy tale moment, but a moment that says, God, I know you've placed me here. From all where I have been, all that I experienced, and all my family history has brought me here, all the circumstances, all the good choices, bad choices, I know you're involved here. I know you're with me, and so when I step into this, I have faith for this moment. And so even if I lose my life, I believe you're going to do the right. You're going to bring the best out of that. And if that's what you asked me to do, I gave my life to you a long time ago. It's up to you what you do with it. Oh, this, we sing some songs here sometimes. I sang one on Wednesday night. We were singing back there, patting our back. I'm like, oh, we'll see when you sing that song. You know what I mean? Oh, we'll see if that's really true. But it is. I mean, I'm being fun, but... These things are choices that are, but they always stay small. You think we're going to be great in the big moment, but if you don't make the small moments, you will never be great in the big moment. In fact, mostly in the big moments, you're going to be in the way, okay? But it's the small decisions like, no, no, I know what's really good. But it's not only what you say no to, it's what you're saying yes to at the same time. But a quality, no, gosh. So those are the moments then in the big moment, you're going to have the right posture, the right heart, the right forgiveness, the right tone, the right, because you're going to be hooked up to one because you're letting his life flow through you. Oh, come on. This is so true. This gets, God takes us all the way down into our relationships, our husbands, our wives, our children, our friends, our coworkers. Do you believe God placed you where you are right now? Or you, still, you think you're kind of happenstance through your life and fumble through your bad mistakes and, oh, we couldn't do that, so we're doing that? Oh, come on. Come on. God, the guy who created the skies and the earth and doesn't waste a thing and is extravagant, you know, and knows the hairs on your head. You think he's like, oh, oh, I got to check in with Marcy. I have no idea what's going on with her. Are you serious? He knows what's going on in your life. He knows your friendships. He knows the, the tone of your heart. He knows who's been driving you crazy. He put him there. He knows who's been making you happy. He put him there too. Come on. They had, they had total faith from their response about the situation they're in. They believe God, 828, I focus on you and we're going to bring about a greater purpose. I'm not going to whine like, oh, no, it's so hot. I know it's going to be so bad. But, you know, they're not, they didn't do anything like that. How about you? Do you believe in that job displacement, that job loss? Has God got a plan for that? Can you keep your eyes on him? It's this beautiful dance together with us and him if we just hold on to your faith and trust in him. Not like in a weird religious way, but in a God, I, you're the only one that has words of life for me. Where else am I gonna go? I'm here. Here I am. This is bad. But you're gonna make something good at it because I believe you. Do I wanna go through it? No. <laughs> no, I don't wanna be unhappy. Happiness is not the goal. Being Christ-like is the goal. Sharing what you got is the goal. Man, how are we doing? Seriously, in your hearts. Come on, wake up. Every one of you have an assignment, a placement. There's no doubt about it. He wasn't like, oh, man, I should have put them in the 17th century. They would have been so much better. No! <laughs> if I were born over here, no! Here you are in Pennsylvania, and it's November. Get over it. Okay, seriously. It's so good. And you're exactly with his plan for the situation you're in. Snap out of it. Come on, all right? So how do you get a faithful response? How do you grow in faith? It's just, 
We know that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. These guys had the substance and the evidence in their lives. They are proven with it. They had done it before. They're doing it again. I don't know how distance between chapter one and chapter two in Daniel, but they were tested in chapter one and found to be the best of the best, right? There are a few things that will help you grow in your faith and know your faith, okay? I know you're taking notes wildly, so make sure you get this, okay? So these are just some of the things, but, but to grow in our faith, number one, we grow in our faith, just so you know that. In our instant society, we all think Jesus was just, you know, he was like, what, two years old, and he was, he was raising people like that? No, no, no. Luke 2.52 says he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Wait. He grew? Yeah, he grew. He was the truth, but wisdom is the truth applied rightly. So he had to experience it and exercise his faith in that situation, right? <laughs> Messing with your theology here, okay? He also grew with, in stature and strength. Stature not only physically, but he grew inside, in authority and character and power. Is that right? He actually grew. So one time he was not as big as he was before, okay? We have to get settled with this, Okay? And then he grew in favor with God and man, in relationship to honor God and constantly honor him and know who he is and do that right. And he also had to love men well enough to love and honor and respect them, but also bring confrontation to their lives in a loving way. So every time he acted. But he grew in those areas. That's amazing. Without sin, but he still grew. Come on. Ephesians 4, verses 15, 14 and 15. Don't be like little children, but grow up in your faith. I'm just trying to sell you on the idea of growing, okay? And number John, John 12, number 20, verse 24. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it won't bring a great harvest. I'm paraphrasing, but it won't grow. So there's this idea of letting go and trusting God. Come on, right? And the truth, the big idea is that we grow in our faith. Some of you, well, all of us are grown in different parts of our faith and some parts we're weak in. Elijah clobbers 450 bales of profit. Pro bales of profit. <laughs> profit of Baal, right? But one little word from Jezebel makes him terrified. He's got mommy issues or women issues. Who doesn't? You know what I mean? But anyway, but he can crush a bunch of guys on a battlefield. But just, well, I'm going to do to you what you did to him these by the day tomorrow. Ah! He goes, runs up. Oh, Elijah, what's going on, bud? We all have our certain parts for strong in our faith and weak in our faith. So we all have our issues, right? Good, we're still growing. That is amazing. <laughs> How do we grow in our faith? Number one, the word of God. Just, these are one of the major areas that you can grow. The word of God, read it. Read it while you're eating your Cheerios in the morning. Eat it while you're having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at night. Eat it while you're walking. Eat the, eat the word. No, what did I say? Yeah, that's good. Eat the word. But consume the word. Take it in. It may seem so boring. I know I say this almost every time. It seems so boring. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do not fear. But through the day, it'll be like, I'm not fearing. It's like, wow. It's like it comes out of you. Does that make sense? You hide the word in your heart so you won't sin against God in your time, right? You won't be bankrupt. So you put that word in. The word of God makes you care. It makes you care about the right things. It's like speaking. It's, this is not just print on paper. It's at the, the cost of hearts and lives and blood, sweat, and tears that put this together, and the Holy Spirit put this in. So put a Bible out in the middle of some room sometimes. See what happens. How everybody, everybody reacts to it. They'll be freaked out. You know what I mean? <laughs> the word, man, is just like, a, a, what's it saying? in Hebrews? It's alive and, and, and powerful, more than any two-edged sword. It's 
divides between the thoughts and the intents of the heart, the soul, and the bone and marrow. Now, I'm paraphrasing John Leach's, but the idea is it comes in and brings order into our lives. Not just order like we have to behave ourselves, but order in your heart like what's important and what's not important. Reading like a rule keeper, okay? Read it like a life giver, like a lifeline. So you read it, it's like, ha, ah, it knows you better than you know you. And when you're reading it, then it comes into you, then through the day, it helps you be you. Because it has this conscience thing. Conscience, not bad, not bad, not bad. Okay, comes out of your head and says, hey, why don't you, did you see that? Or I wouldn't, I, these are gifts, man. So that word changes our lives. The word of God comes in. It's more powerful than any two-edged sword. And it just goes into your eternal part and affecting your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, thrusting the good, the righteous forward and giving you an opportunity to choose. What's your job? Choose. Build on that one main choice you did, continually building. And everything gets clearer, simpler, and more powerful and profound. Not easier. Okay? I go running almost every day. Every day I go out, it's a decision. Every day. Some parts get easier, but some parts don't. Yesterday's run in the wind and the rain was not so fun. <laughs> okay? These are simple things. All right. The Word of God, fellowship is the other one. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.6, don't negate the laying on of hands and stirring up. It's talking about the community of faith that we have. Hebrews uh, 10, 24, stir up to good works. That's what I'm, this is my paraphrase. Stir yourself up to good works. As, as we, that's just a relational kind of thing. We need relationship. You need fellowship. You can't be married together. You can't be married by yourself. And you can't be a Christian by yourself. Take a look around, everybody. This is it. This is the team. This is the fam. Go ahead. Look. Just bend your head around. That's it. You know, you're all facing forward, which is very comfortable. But <laughs> sometimes it'd be really fun to have us all in a big round and just have to look at each other. You know what I mean? So, Because this is it. This is the team. And this is how we're going to learn to score with each other. We need each other. I need Christy. I need Sam. I need, I need Mark. I need everybody coming in. I need that team that comes in. That fellowship builds my life. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. That is true. And I told you, there's all different levels of relationship from acquaintance, which you just see and like and glean off, to transparency. We allow you to see me, but to vulnerability, I allow you in, right? Now, I teased Brian last service, but Brian is probably the best example of this in my life, you know? Never is anybody who makes me, pushes me further toward God and makes me angry at the same time. Because <laughs> he's so darn right. Anyway, so. <laughs> no, but in every good way, he just gets me going. He gets, there's a few hand, handful of relationships that just get me going in a good way. And fellowship is important. That's why we're built here together. That's why this is a holy gathering. We come together, all faith together, but also seeing and receiving one another. And God, if you're a single person, God places a solitary in the family, no doubt about it. There's no widows or orphans in the house of God. There's no one forsaken or abandoned. When you come in here, God connects you to other people. And lift up your head and make a connection, seriously. Now, one thing I can't do is I can't make that choice for you. But we are stupid rich with it around here, okay? Oh, yes, John, you're right. Amen. You're so right. I'm crazy happy. Or maybe it's like Brian, you just antagonize each other. I don't know. <laughs> do you do the best, seriously. So. 
How am I doing? Thinking? Come on. You should be valuing those relationships from your best friend to your worst enemy on purpose. God is doing it, okay? This is all to catapult you into God and into him because you know you are not enough and he fills those gaps. And you, you, because you're loved, you want to love well. Lastly, you got to exercise your faith. Come on. Just those three things help you grow. Uh, how are we doing on time? Oh, okay. You got to exercise your faith. So look, these guys did exercise their faith in chapter one. They, they put the king's, you know, to the, they were put to the test and they wouldn't eat the king's meat. Why is that important, John? Because those, that food was dedicated to idols and they knew in the word, which they had the word as their babe, that we will not give any, we will not take in anything that could get the credit other than God. Does that make sense? Sounds like Charles shared the other week when he, uh, someone was not supposed to take an offering because he wanted only God to get the credit. Never be that you get credit for making me famous. Only God will. Famous or wealthy or whatever, or successful. You understand that? So they knew the word. They were willing to put it to the test, and they came out brighter and smarter, and so their God got the credit for this. Hello? Our God. Same God. Okay, just in case you're wondering. Anyway, okay. So now that's... Those are the three things. I do think the word of God, fellowship, and exercising your faith. Look, you, if, you're, if you're just believing God, which is, that's not a bad place, but if you don't activate your faith, you're not going to become the word that you're believing in. Does that make sense? It's just like rubber meets the road. You've got to rubber meet the road, this, guys. Otherwise, it's academic and the- theoretical. But when you put that theory, that truth into action, it becomes so much more vibrant in who you are authenticating not only the word, but you as well, because you're broken being fixed in the middle of this, and the, the testimony of your life just beacons to those around you. And usually not when you consciously are knowing you're doing it. It's usually when you're subconsciously following God and fighting through. Oh, give me a couple more minutes, all right? How do we know we have, we're actually growing in faith? How do we know? Okay, how do you know you're in faith? Three things there. You see, you believe, and you receive. Okay, go to Romans 4, verses 17, all right? Switch over to Romans 4. Charles has been doing a brilliant reveal of this, and I hope you're sucking it all down every day and learning it, going back over it, and he's going to walk through this. But this one part about Abraham, which we've been talking about, and Ben, you did a brilliant job of sharing about his decision, is right here in verse 17. I have made you a father of many nations. This is the recanting or telling about this, about how Abraham is. Are you tracking with me? Can't hear you. This is chapter four, Romans. He's talking about Abraham. In the presence of him who he believed, of whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are, do not exist as though they did. God calls things that are not as though they are. Okay? Now look, that's a lot different than calling things that are as though they aren't. That's denial. That's like you're being deathly sick. I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, okay? This is just my example. It's not perfect. But you are sick, but you are healed too, okay? That's the greater creative power there. But the fact that we deny it is something weird. It gets weird, doesn't it? Okay? Look, I'm sick as a dog, but I am going to get healed. I am healed. The word says I'm healed. That's superimposing God's truth of the creative power, calling things that are not as though they were health come. Health, come. Health, be in me. Okay? Believe, by the way, we totally believe in doctors and medicine. Get healed no matter what. Okay? We believe in all that. But also God is the ultimate healer. Okay? That's just one example. But the ability for a person to 
speak what God has spoken to them into existence. That's what we're talking about. And when you're seeing differently, understand this. They're referencing Abraham here out of Genesis 15, 5, when God and Charles and Ben have both been saying this. When God pulls Abraham out and he sees the stars, he's been wrestling with this promise. And finally, God thinks he's got to see this differently. This is the gift of faith that he pours out. And when he sees the stars, he sees his descendants. Oh, yeah, John, I know the story. No, 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 you don't get this. Like Abraham saw the generations beyond him. In that quick moment, he saw the whole thing. He received it. He saw it. Like, God, I see it. Now I see it all in Isaac, who ends up having Jacob, who ends up having Joseph. We know the whole story. But in that moment, he perceived, and his seeing, he perceived. He got the full download. As we make these decisions, growing in our character of God, growing in our, 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 our anchoring of God, we start to see the world differently than we see it now. We don't see, maybe you don't even see opposing sides. You see life, you see death. You see the opportunity to share the gospel. You see where, where the enemy's blocking. Instead of seeing all the entities and siding on any of those, you're, you're holding on to the kingdom. Now you're moving into the eternal. Do you understand that? And what really is what is really at, at cost here or what hangs in the balance that you begin to see. Abraham perceived, then he believed, actually says here in verse 18, 19, he believed. That's not only, I not only agreed with God, but now I have a conviction. Like I'm persuaded in my soul. Not only this is a good idea, but it's the idea for me. It's true not only for me, but it's because of the, the maturation, the process of me. It's true for all men as they are like unto me. Going through the same wrestlings in life and providing for their families and finding God. I know this now is conviction. It's not just an agreement. And where was the last place of your conviction? Where was the last place where you beyond, went beyond agreement, but it was, it was a truth not just for, for in the world, but in you and in the whole of men's lives. That conviction's powerful. And then the third part is ownership, that he actually received it to himself. It says there in the, in the further scriptures in 1920. Yeah, 1920, that he did not waver in the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in the faith. In other words, Abraham actually received it like he owned it. You couldn't take it away from him anymore. Does that make sense? Before, I don't know, maybe I'm old. No, he grabbed it. In action, he grew and strengthened in his faith. Come on. How many of you are not just here... In attendance, but in here, in the moment, in the family, that's the difference. Does that make sense? It's one thing for men to believe in God, but none of them believe that God exists, but then they believe God has touched them, God loves them, that they love God, that they have a part in God, that they will be and are in the family of God. Every level is a different, of faith, different level of faith. You got to stand up. We have to wrap it up, wrap it up here. Here. How am I doing? Getting in your head? Getting in your heart? Oh. Dylan said something the other day on Wednesday night. It was so good. Where are you, Dylan? He's probably doing the youth right now. Is that right? I don't know what he's doing. He said, sin changes our perspective. He talked about in the garden when they, Adam and Eve sinned, then they were afraid of God. It changed their perspective that they enjoyed him so much. But I also want you to know that righteousness changes your perspective. The more we step into the truth of who God is, his kingdom becomes more apparent. Isn't it amazing? The fruit of this, in the closing, I'll just take an extra minute or so. 
that in verses, the final verses, he's, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that they were not alone, that the three of them were in there, but the fourth one was with them, and he's likened to the Son of God. What a, what a crazy line. In a sense, he's saying, I recognize God with you. God is with you. They didn't say it. They didn't proselytize. They didn't preach in the fiery furnace. They were just in the fiery furnace. Some of the things you shared this morning in worship, just you're never alone. Like The result of this is you're going to be aware that God is with you. Not triumphing your agenda, but he's just with you. Some things are beyond words and presence. It's complete when we're with God. It's, and he'd been there the whole time. The whole time you're wrestling through things, the whole time you're lesser than, the whole time. And you step up and all of a sudden, like, God, you've been with me the whole time. And lastly, then don't underestimate the presence of God. It has greater effect than you can ever imagine. They came out of that not even smelling like smoke. I mean, they had no sickness that messed up their smelling ability. They just, <laughs> a little lightness there. They couldn't, nothing, it was super, supernatural. And from that, they won over Nebuchadnezzar's process through this whole thing is he keeps kind of getting it and then missing it. He eventually gets so full of himself, they make him into, he kind of becomes like a, a steer or a cow, and he spends seven years on a field until he comes into his right mind. <laughs> All this God is doing at the same time witnessing to Nebuchadnezzar. What if your life is all about winning over your enemies? What it really says here is that these guys are standing for life. 1 John 5, verse 9 talks about if you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. That isn't if you're part of our little team and family, then you got all the goods. It's if you have the God who created everything, you have life. You have no boundaries. You have no cultural holdings. You have no political standings. You just go beyond that into men's lives, rescuing them. Just as you were rescued, having good fellowship, warmth with God, even though your life's not perfect, it's good. It's good. Even if you're suffering, it's good. I'm with you, God. Man, some powerful truths. Where do you stand this morning? Where's the last place you throw a stake in the ground and say, God, help me. I'm choosing you. Make all my decisions follow. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Wow. So I'm trusting God. Help me navigate. Navigate away from the things that would compromise me keep me from the things that would destroy me. He promises to do that. You promise to do that. In joy and in sorrow. I promise to do that is what he says. Lead you not into temptation.
the paths of life. Deliver you from evil. I'll be with you. I promise. Now you're seeing the kingdom. I pray your conviction's coming back. I hope you know it's about, it is about God loving you personally. This is not a cause. This is someone who banked up heaven to come after you. You. Right here. How wonderful. So put a hand on his shoulder. Let's pray. Come on. Praying. Praying is so great. God, keep us before you. Keep us aware of you. Build on all the good decisions we've made. And the bad ones, let's just wipe them out. Thank you for the power of convicting our heart and forgiving us and drawing us up, saying, we can do it. For all those around us, God, we pray to to devote ourselves to you. But first, just because you love us and you're worth it. You are worth it. We love you. The days ahead, we embrace. We get to walk them with you. All your promises are true. But we start with, we just get you. That's good enough. Come what may. Help us to be like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Help us not to compromise, but even more, live for you without judgment without being twisted by the world around us, from home to our society. You are the light and life of man. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We bless your name. Can you say amen?